Scripture this morning is from 1 Samuel 13. Let me see where I can get the light right. <clears throat> Excuse me. 1 through 15. Verses 1 through 15 of 1 Samuel chapter 13. Saul lived for one year and then became king. And, he and when he had reigned for two years over Israel, Saul chose 3,000 men of Israel. 2,000 were with Saul at Michmash in the hill country of Bethel. And 1,000 were with J Jonathan at Gibeah and Benjamin. And the rest of the people he sent home, every man to his tent. Jonathan defeated the garrison of the Philistines that was at Geba, and the Philistines heard of it. And Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. And all Israel heard it said that Saul had defeated the garrison at, of Philistines, and also that Israel had become a stench to the Philistines. And the people were called out to join Saul at Gilgal. And the Philistines mustered to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and troops like the sand of the seashore in multitude. They came up and encamped in Michmash to the east of Bet-Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble, for the people were hard pressed, the people hid themselves in caves and in holes and in rocks and in tombs and in cisterns. And some Hebrews crossed the fords of the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul was still at Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. He waited seven days, the time appointed by Saul, but Sam, Sam, the time appointed by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, "Bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings." and he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him and greet him. Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, when I saw the people were scattering from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines had mustered at Michmash, I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, which with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. And Samuel rose and went up from Gilgal. The rest of the people went up after Saul to meet the army. And they went up from Gilgal to Gibeah of Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people who were present with him, about 600. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Good morning. Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And thank you, um, Christ Central, for joining us this morning in the live stream. As uh, many of us uh, realized uh, this week, last week, even six weeks ago, um, you know, we, we, we getting a little tired of not being able to be with each other. But so I thank you. And I thank God for keeping us, for keeping you um, enough to come to this live stream gathering and, and worship service. And um, so I just, I just welcome you guys today. You know, it's funny when you do these live streams, you um, are more conscious about how you look and what you wear. You know, our sound people are like, don't wear this shirt or don't wear that. And, I, and as I came up here, I'm like, wait, I have the new millennial cool pastor outfit on, you know. It just happened automatically, and I hate being like this where the, okay, skinny jeans, got the J's, got the plaid shirt with the pocket on front, 
it's just, it's a little too much. Um, and it's amazing how a pandemic kind of, when you have to stop, when you have to sit still, you begin to realize all the routines you fall into, all the stuff that, that needs to change, all the new normals that need to happen. And as we continue in our sermon series in 1 Samuel, and if, if, if you've been going through with us, you, you recognize that this book features a, a lot of conflict um, between nations and, and lots of war with swords and chariots and horsemen. And as I thought about that, I, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't recognize those who have lost loved ones and for those who died in wars over the world this Memorial Day weekend, right, um, to remember that. And I challenge us to, to not only mourn and, and honor our countries, our own countries departed, but mourn and honor lives that have been lost throughout history from all sides of conflict. Men and women who submitted to their leaders and governments and were given and engaged in a deadly profession not to mention all the civilian casualties. As I think about wars and, and military service, I, I could not imagine what it must be to be the leader, right? A, a leader over what is sure to result in casualties and sacrifices. In today's lesson, Saul, the newly installed king, of Israel is under the pressure of being the commander-in-chief of the Israeli armed forces. You see, Israel was given a blessing way back with Abraham by God of a promised land. And, and this land was a little east of the Jordan in the, in the Middle East, all the way to the Mediterranean Sea. And I'm not going to even get into the debate over the modern-day conflicts over the Gaza Strip and, and all of that. But the political and geographical and ethnic Israel of the Old Testament were supposed to govern all of that land. It's part of their obedience to God. But there were pockets of people when they got there. I think when they crossed over to Jordan and got to the promised land, maybe they thought it'd be like, uh, you know, going to a hotel, right? And, and the room would be empty, right? You go in. I mean, I, I, have y'all ever gone to a hotel and you go in there and somehow they gave you the wrong room and, 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 and you could tell somebody been in there or somebody is in there? That's a weird feeling, right? It's like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. You go home and somebody... Right? Okay, I don't even have to go any further. But for the Israelites, somebody was occupying their land. Right? And, and this is hard for me, right? Because the Philistines, they already established something out there. And, and it's hard for me considering the evils of imperialism and the issues associated with colonization and land stealing and murder of our First Nation brothers and sisters in the name of some ill-guided manifest destiny with God's name being taken in vain through it. But God himself told Israel to take the land, to spread into those areas, which would mean ridding the land of, of nations who would lead God's people into idolatry and away from him and even enslave them again. And this concern is all through the book of Samuel, where Israel is constantly warned and corrected on serving the gods of the nations and being dominated socially and economically. And of course, of course, the latest huge mistake, right? Being around those other nations gave Israel a great idea. They demanded that God stop big governmenting them and give them kingly rule like the other nations, like they saw going on around them. And last week, we saw how much of a problem that was for the Lord and his relationship with them and how difficult it would be for Saul to be king under that kind of arrangement, God as Lord and his people, right? And for, for Saul to serve anybody, to serve as an earthly go-between God as a king on earth and his people. Not an easy place to be. Not easy for the people. Definitely, as we see, 
not easy for Saul. So Samuel, the namesake of this book, right? God's prophet explains to Saul that, that you are not, you, that you are taking on the responsibility as king, right? He tells them this back in chapter 10, right? That Saul, I'm sorry, God's chosen you to be king, right? And so you have to take on the responsibility to continue the campaign to push back the Philistines, to take all the land. And the Philistines had crept all up into Israeli territory, right? Establishing outposts. I, I would describe them as like military bases in somebody else's nation. To kind of keep an eye on and control, control the Israelites' movements. And Samuel tells Saul, this is the time to do your duty. You king now. You know what you got to do. But you have to do your job God's way as king of God's people, right? Not like the other nation's kings, even though they wanted you to be like the other nation's kings. But I'm sorry, these are God's people you're ruling, so you have to do it God's way. So when you finally pull yourself together, Realize what's going on. Y'all remember, I don't know why I remember back in 2008 when Obama, uh, President Obama was, was inaugurated and he was going through the process and y'all know they take, you, take him in before the inauguration and he's able to look at what, let me just call it the black book and he looks in and he sees all, you know, the threats against the United States. He saw, heard all the enemies. He saw all the top secret stuff. That brother went in young. And he came out a little older, right? And this is what Saul, Samuel is saying to Saul, right? When you get over everything and you realize you're king, you got to go attack the Philistine military base. And in essence, when you do so, you will be declaring war on them. And when you do that, rally the people because it's going to be a mess and, and come to the city of Gilgal and then wait seven days for me to arrive. And we will do after seven days, a, we will do a full worship service and seek God's help because we's going to need it, right? Against the Philistines. But, but like real life, things didn't happen that smoothly, did they? It took some time, some years, maybe a year. There's some discrepancies with the time it actually took between Samuel telling Saul what he needed to do and Saul actually doing it. But it was more than a year, maybe two, maybe three. And so for is it took that long for Israel to finally attack the Philistines, the Israeli standing army. Saul had over time uh, trimmed it down to 3,000, you know, special units, uh, uh, 3,000 special unit soldiers. And Saul sent everyone else fighting age back home. He took 2,000 or 3,000 and he gave the other thousand uh, under his son, Jonathan, to lead. And they split up. Saul's son, Jonathan, uh, you know, who, who is this, um, this noble-minded, right? You'll see throughout the scripture, he is noble-minded and, and this, this wholehearted acting war hero. He, he's Captain America, y'all. Right? He's he from a different er era. He, 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 he ain't Tony Stark. He, just, he, he, he Captain America. He cares, right? He takes this thing seriously like his dad, King Saul, should have a long time ago. And Jonathan says, well, we heard about what we should do. So he takes his thousand and goes ahead with his crew and attacks a Philistine military base. And all hell breaks loose, right? He pokes the bear, right? He, he shakes the hornet's nest, right? He takes a jab at MJ during the NBA playoffs. He wakes the sleeping giant. And the Philistines show up in full force with 30,000 chariots, that's ancient tanks, y'all, and 6,000 horsemen. And they said so many troops, they numbered like the sand on the seashore. And they camped and gathered on a boundary town and what I would 
when you look at the map, it looks like sort of a demilitarized zone, that, 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 that area that's, that's up for debate. And King Saul sounds the alarm to all of Israel, and he calls the draft to get all the fighting men he sent home, the fighting age men, back to meet him, like Samuel instructed, down in Gilgal to have a worship service and rally behind Saul and get some help from God. And the Bible says this happened in verse 6. When the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble, right? For the people were hard pressed. The people, right? The people, the, 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 the fighting age men, the, the people who should be coming for the draft, right? Hid themselves in caves and in holes and in rocks and in tombs and in cisterns. And some Hebrews crossed the fords of the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead, right? Saul was still at Gilgal and all the people followed him trembling. And Saul did what any one of us would do. After seven days, on the seventh day, with all of this going on, thinking that brother, he ain't coming. He old, right? He, he might have died. He, he, he ain't going to get up here. He can't get it going. He, he ain't here, y'all. And start second guessing. You know how you second guess and you start reasoning, you know, what Samuel actually meant and intended. Or, you know, when he said that thing about waiting, the real point and reason behind the waiting, the, the theological construct, my brother, the, the, the historical reality of it, my friend, you know, he started to reason, especially with the Philistines all gathered, the people running and hiding, and the numbers dwindling each day. He's thinking, we, we need some inspiration, right? We need to get the people what they want, right? We got to give the crowd what they need. I, I, I got to step in. Forget this. And it seems like right about the last of the seventh day, the text isn't completely clear, but it seems like that right there where Saul might have gone ahead and done the sacrifice at four, right? Here comes, you know, right at four, right? The, the day's about to end. Samuel still hadn't come, right? Something like this happened when I was younger at a Run DMC concert right in the 80s, right? The opening act came on. Boy, they went a long time. We're like, who are these local? They always get a local group who, could, who think they're going to be the next, right? They get on, they on, and you could just feel it in the crowd like, oh, we came for Run DMC. Then it took another hour, y'all been to these concerts, before Run DMC and Jam Master J came on, right? No Adidas sweatsuits, nothing. Right? Just some brothers up there, right? And in the meantime, you know how it gets a little crowded? You're wondering, you know, especially our people. And if you know who our people are, you know what I'm saying. When we have an event, sometimes things don't work out right. We start to get real nervous. Like, we paid our money, they ain't showing up, y'all. Right? And then when we don't get what we want, what happens? You go home and you get over it, right? Ain't no class action lawsuit. So, you know, we just sitting there, you can tell things. We're right in the meantime, someone tried to get up on the mic to calm the folks. Well, Ron, they ain't here yet, but I got a few things. Wrong. Fail. It was a disaster for them. The crowd started yelling. You couldn't even hear them. We want Run DMC, right? Right? They eventually came on about 11 for a concert that started at like 7.30 or 8. Well, Saul stepped up to the proverbial microphone and went in in the place of Samuel. And the Bible says that, that right when he finished the offering, Samuel comes up and Saul's like, what's up, man? Glad to see you. The thing is all happening, right? And Samuel's like, you really messed up now. And Saul is like, wait a minute. You see what I was up against, dude. I was trying to get God's favor. I didn't even really want to have to do it. But I did. Right? You understand, right? I shouldn't have done it, but you understand, Right? 
And Samuel lays into him, reminding him of, the, of what God said earlier, that God didn't think doing this king thing this way, way right for situations just like this. He knew these kind of things would happen, and now you have put yourself on the outs with God. God is looking for a king who will be a man after his own heart, is the way Samuel puts it, and you with this action are not fitting the bill. And Samuel walks out on the dude. You know, man, this Samuel thing is a tragic story of leadership gone wrong. We're just kind of, you know that term, keeping it real, gone wrong, right? He's just, just trying to keep it real, just, just trying to get by, you know, just trying to make it happen, right? It, it, I mean, Saul is someone whose actions, get, hear me, we actually get. We, we actually connect with, with, with Saul. We actually understand. God had to know. I started reading this and thinking, God, come on, man. You, you, Samuel, come on, man. You had to know Saul would break under that much pressure. Here's what I believe is going on. God wasn't seeking to crush Saul out of the role of king, giving him more than he can handle. He, he was seeking to break and then reshape, twist, and turn Saul into a king who God could use for his merciful and loving ministry and purposes to his people. I believe that Samuel is letting Saul know that, th that this is not the way things should be. God wants a man and then a people who are led by that man after his God's own heart. In three ways, Samuel tells Saul and God calls you and me to look at today. First, to be a people under, I mean, after his own heart, who follow God's heart with obedience. That's number one. Secondly, those who trust God's heart for his people. Trusting God's heart for his people. And finally, those who seek the man after God's own heart. So what was God looking for from Saul as Samuel explained? To obey the Lord. To obey the Lord. Look at verse 13 with me. And we're going we gonna to kill verse 13 through 15, okay? That's where we're going to focus today. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. Why? You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Being after God's heart means to know and follow and submit and obey God's heart, right? To find, to know, to follow his desire, which are his commands, to, to know, to want, and do what God wants above and over anything else, above our pressures, y'all, over what is convenient, what is in right now, what the world considers okay, allowable, not so bad, the things people will excuse, excuse by saying and thinking, you, you know, you, you're only human. You, you're a red-blooded man. We understand. G God can't really expect you to do and obey what the Bible says, you know, not, not to that degree anyway. I mean, waiting for Samuel through the seventh day and even beyond was not impossible, though I admit it was near unbearable. But Saul was obedient to and followed after his own heart, right? Eventually, he followed after his own reasonings, his own ideas, his own fears, his own concerns, his own solutions, and what, how he wanted to see things go. And when the command from Samuel, who, who, who's, who gave God's word, was clear, he still went with what he thought was clearer, right? You see, back then, according to, a, to uh, God's word and instruction, only a priest of the Lord could offer any sacrifice unless they got special permission from the Lord. And Saul would have known that. And the people with him would have known that. And Saul decided and reasoned probably, it will, you know, y'all, when it comes down to this God stuff, we, we, we all can do it. It's the priesthood of believers. That, that wasn't quite there yet, right? It, it will ultimately, you know, y'all get to the end we all want 
And I really tried and would have rather waited. My heart is in the right place, y'all. And yet his actions said his heart was not in the right place. Obedience is where true worship starts. As, as, as for us, right? As it, it is, it, as it is about responding to God the way he tells us to respond. Not, not to guess, right? You know how many times I've guessed in, in buying a gift for my wife? Y'all guessed. Don't need to guess. Knowing the heart is obeying according to the desires you've heard to listen, right? So, see, Saul's actions did not value the Lord in his worship more than he valued how a failure at that moment would have left him feeling and losing. The Bible tells us in Psalms that, that obedience is better than sacrifice. That worshiping for the right reason and according to God's way is better than going through the motions and elements of worship without considering what God has actually said about it. And, you know, oh, I'm just feeling. No, not all worship, hear me, is obedient and God prioritizing. In fact, this worship was putting God in a convenient place and plan for Saul to help Saul look and be good and not about God being good for his people. In fact, later, Jesus tells his disciples, what? If you love me, you'll do my commandments. If you really follow, honor, and worship me, you will obey my commands. If your heart is really with me and for me, you know, and we get confused right now. I mean, I do it. I get wrapped up into what your heart say, right? What your heart should say, if it's a heart after God, is exactly what God wants right? If your heart is right, this whole thing where we have this, where you just kind of have to go with your heart. What, what does that mean? Going with your heart, if your heart is evil and deceptively evil and wicked, is not necessarily going where God is calling us to go. And so often, right, there's this thin edge that, that pushes so many of us away from knowing and experiencing God. And we even rob others of experiencing and knowing God like Saul was doing. We live lives that are out of accord with what God desires and wants and has asked for in his word. God, in calling us to obey him, is saying, worship me, which means follow me which is love me, come after me. And therefore, here we go, after his own heart, therefore, before yourself, before what you want, check yourself, right? After you check me out, right? Before your good works, before and more important than your performance and your failure and your acceptance or personal control or looking or feeling good. That's all would think, act, and believe that, hear this, this is very hard. But you got to hear this. Because it's the seventh day. It ain't no Samuel. The plan ain't working, right? What is he telling Saul? Samuel that Saul would think, act, and believe that even if the Philistines destroy us, even if everybody leaves me, even if Samuel don't ever show up, even if I look stupid for following God and everything logical and sensual and feeling in me says don't, I will not self-medicate. Right? I will not self-condemn. I will not seek my own answer and explain and reason above what God has made clear and desired and wants and calls for me to obey in worship and love to him. Now, I'm not talking about it. everything is not so clear. I'll be honest with that. Not, not every decision is clear. I'm not talking about these, these decisions which aren't necessarily right or wrong, right? But, but, you know, you have to make them and you call God to tell you which one and close the door and open a window. And God's, we use that kind of language. I'm not talking about that. That's a different sermon. 
I'm talking about things that God has made clear in his word for us to follow and worship him. You know, but that kind of faith, that kind of obedience and heart for God only comes as we, second point here, trust God's heart for his people. As we trust God's heart for his people. Look again at verse 13 and 14. Said, I told you we're going to wear these verses out. All right. He says, and Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Samuel talks about God establishing Saul's reign over his people, right? You see that? But he is looking for a person who is a, in that reign, a prince over his people, right? That word prince means governor, right? It means a representative leader. Samuel is saying God's king needs to be someone who knows and rules based on how God, the head of the kingdom, feels about his people. So the Lord is looking for a servant leader who knows, is acquainted with, operates, mediates, and communicates according to God's heart love, design, and desire for his people. See, the burnt and peace offering Samuel was supposed to offer would say and remind the people that God's got you, right? That's what Gilgal was for. It would would communicate to people, God's got you in his heart, right? People of God, look look at the Philistines, look at the mess. What you need to hear at Gilgal is you are his desire. You are who and what he wants, that God wants to care, comfort, and fight for you in the midst of anything and everything outside or inside of you that could condemn, crush, and confuse you of who and how God has made and called you. Here is where Saul was mistaken and slipped. He must have thought when all those things are pressing on him, not only is Samuel late and appears to not be showing up, God is lacking and lost track of us. God's lost track of what's going on, y'all. We need to get his, hey, God, your attention over here. You, look, you, you don't see that? You don't see those Philistines? You don't see the little bit of people we got? You don't see your own people jumping in, in vases and hiding and stuff, right? Look, God, where you at? Maybe he's possibly forgotten about us. And so I must, right? You, you kind of insert yourself where you must get him on board or go on without him. But how can you go ahead and without and not trust a God whose whole goal is to greet, meet, and bring you and me there where he's already at, right? You see, God is not waiting for you to have a heart for him. This is an incredible part of the gospel. You see, the Bible teaches that God chose his people, right? That he chose these people, that he chose us, that he desired us and adopted us for his own pleasure, good, and perfect love to to never abandon or mistreat or abuse or bully us. See, this isn't one of these lessons where, see, told you one gonna work out, y'all need to act right. This wasn't one of these parental bullyings. The Bible says that it is the heart of God to put us in a position to pour and shower us with his blessing in such a way that whatever is lurking, whatever the pressures may be, or whether things are getting critical, y'all, his heart and affection for you, his people, is not just hanging out or hanging around somewhere. He's not hanging out with the boys and don't know when to come home. He has and will meet and greet us where we are, as we are, and whenever we will be, right? His love and care for us is not sometimesy like we can be. 
right? This is not that worldly, lustful, selfish love we are all hurt and twisted by. No, this is that divine love and heart that is connected to the eternal and never-changing God himself. God loves you and me and is proud to be your God. In the face of sin and Satan and the evil and mean world, Saul should have first trusted that for himself, that God loves me, that God sees me, that God is not forsaking me, and then passed that on for those whom he was serving and leading and in community with. We've expressed this in more than one venue, but Kelly and I and some friends were talking about that Ahmad Arbery thing and just combined with the COVID-19 thing, right? It looks like uh, it's, it's killing a lot of black folk, right? Black men, right? <laughs> Why? Why? This is ridiculous, right? It's killing the folk who are most, who, not just black, the most oppressed people are dying from it the most. What? are having a hardest time recovering. I thought, God, do you like black people? Well, are, we are we the forsaken crew? Are oppressed people the forsaken crew? Black, white, whatever, oppressed? Did you see? That's what I was feeling, right? It is not a race thing necessarily. Sometimes when you're oppressed, it just seems like there's just more power on you. Now, what we didn't read is Israel, they didn't have no swords. They didn't have any weapons. All they had was farm equipment. And then God brings, allows the Philistines to pile up all these swords, all these chariots, all this stuff, and meet them. You got to think, God don't care about us. And then you get kind of tempted to make promises to yourself, right? You, you know, we, we, we do the encourage yourself the wrong way. We get angry. We gang up. We get depressed. We start putting stuff online we ain't supposed to put. We start reading folk we ain't supposed to read. We start copying links of folk on YouTube saying things they shouldn't be saying. And we become emotionally unhinged and spreading that to others instead of trusting in the love of God that he has for us and has promised his people. Get this, his people who are in the hardest, most unbelievable times and situations. Those promises, though, are more than vows. God's promise to never leave or forsake you, you know where they come from? Not, not some kind of uh, religious um, ceremony, right? Some, some kind of religious, gotta do it right kind of thing. That's not the way God is. Do you know where it comes from? It comes from a real affection for you a real affectionate and emotional connection and commitment to you, the ones he has chosen to love and actually loves and cares for. If you don't believe me, so much so, Samuel is telling Saul, if your kingship is getting in the way of God's love and commitment to his people, you got to go because God can't tolerate being separated from his people in a way that would make them doubt his love and, that, and would lose faith and trust and hope in him. We were having a real, we're having somewhat of a breakthrough with our kids, just a little bit, had a little greater breakthrough the other day. You know, and, and, you know talking to our boys, and this COVID-19 has been a blessing in this way. You know what? Nobody can actually run so far away from each other in their issues. Right? We all pressed in together. 
And, and it's pressed our lives, like emotionally traffic jammed and, and crashing into each other. We can see our issues and, and, and we all, uh, you know, we, we're now like the, the, the spheres of our circles are so tight that, that now things we do are affecting others and we can feel our moods. And the parent-child thing has been more fused than it has ever been. And as some of you have discovered, that has resulted in some real explosion and real exposure, some stuff you don't want. You see, God didn't put Saul and the people into this fearful, pressure-packed place to crush or condemn or bully or shame them into doing right. No, he was looking for his people to be so into him, so close to him at Gilgal, so clutchy with him, that they would break and turn and pour their hearts open and out to him. You see, this is what it means to be a man or a person or a, a woman or a person after God's own heart. Don't you know that? That you will say and see and feel and know and believe, Lord, I can't do it. This is too hard. I am an I am impossible as much as the situation. This whole thing is impossible. My own feelings, how I, am, how I am stuck and twisted and knotted up and complacent and going through an emotional recession, especially right now, and how I failed and faint and struggle. My health, my mental state is a real trip. My money and marriage, Lord, I can't handle it. I can't take it. I want to run. I want to hide. I want to jump in a vase. And even as some of the Israelites did, right? I, I, I will just give in. Did you know some of the Israelites that just give, gave in and they went to live with the Philistines? I, I just want to jump and hide. And, and when, when you ask me to trust you in your way, how? And, 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 and facing my demons and the world's injustice and all the pain. Look at this place, God. Look at me. Look at me. It's impossible. I am not enough. We are not enough. We don't have enough. Look, we're we dealing with the look, Philistine level situation. Look what they got. We, we farmers. We're we not ready to battle that. Right? We, look at us. We just regular people. We didn't grow up going to counseling. We didn't grow up with all the psychological stuff. We didn't grow up with, with looking at our marriages this way and our kids this way. We didn't grow up in a, ready for a pandemic. Look, we ain't ready. So God, I break toward you. I break for you. I break down and pour out my heart to you. I seek you. And eventually King David, the next king after Saul, who will be declared a man after God's own heart. Did you know what he wrote in the Psalms? He wrote Psalm 13. And this is what it says. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel of my soul and have sorrow in my heart all that day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken, but I have trusted in what? Your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully for me in the middle of my brokenness. Do you see? Do you hear what a man or woman after God's own heart when things are not right and difficult within and without says? Not like Saul who says, I have to force myself to do this. I was forced into not being able to trust you. I was forced to do life without God. I was forced to do it because God ain't there. God is not trying to force us to be good enough or powerful enough or smart enough or emotionally, spiritually stable enough or, or, or having enough counseling, but to say, God, this is what I am feeling. This is what is going on. This is what I bring to you. I offer you my heart with all of its twists and thorns and tears and mistakes. Here it is. Here I am. I am after your heart, God, by sharing the distress and joys of my own. Like we had to tell our own sons and remind them. You know what gives us delight? You know what it means to, to follow the heart of a parent? It delights and touches and follows after our heart when my sons feel free 
to stop hiding and running, pretending and trying to be all that. When they try to bottle up their emotions and brokenness, it hurts me. But when they break and pour and even maybe cry to me, nothing gives my heart more relief and joy. More than good grades, more than staying out of trouble, more than living a lie of success that they are okay, and more than them being able to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps and force themselves to be okay, more than that. My heart says, fall and break. Pour yourself out to me. You know, it's hard to believe the gospel that the Bible is not about getting your stuff together. It's not about, okay, let me give you God's commandments, and, and then, you know, when things happen, you better be strong, stand, right? Only if you're standing in the love of God. He is the God who loves the brokenhearted and confess sinners and sinned against and once enslaved people who don't have no swords to fight. That's who he loves. That's his heart. Because it's only then, finally, that we will recognize our need, like Saul was told, for God to save us and actually send for us a Lord and Prince who can perfectly be after his own heart in ways we have failed. Let's look again at verse these verses again. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord, which, which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Forever means eternally. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and the Lord has commanded him, this man after his own heart, to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. What was a judgment over Saul was a declaration of grace for Israel and could have been for Saul too that yes, we are sinners. Yes, we have not obeyed as we should and have messed up. God through Samuel here makes that clear. But what might not be so clear to many of us and wasn't to me the first time I read it through is that God is declaring in the light of failure, guess what? He will not leave us in charge if it means living without his love and grace. But he will instead replace us and redeem us with a man after God's own heart who can be and lead us into victory. Now, being replaced might sound, not sound like something you want to hear. But let's face it. We understand Saul more than anybody in this Bible, right? Because we have acted very Saulish in our lives and sinful in the face of this world or like the people of Israel. We have run, we've hidden, we've done some not so good things and even been taken captive to this world. So God, because of his heart for us, so that we would not be lost or condemned to crush, has taken our failed and fallen rule and running of our own lives. He's taken that from us and given it to the man after his own heart, and though immediately points to the next king, King David, David too agreed that this man after God's own heart ultimately was not him. That he was but a prince in this whole thing. But that one day Jesus, God's son, would be the only man whoever lived that was perfectly after God's own heart, who followed God with loving obedience, who trusted and aligned with God's love for people like you and me, and who became the burnt and peace offering on the cross for us so that we could have a close, loving relationship with God in a fallen and broken world as fallen and broken people. 
God is calling us today to be a people after his own heart only as we seek and know Jesus, the man after his own heart as our only hope and help. God is offering us a chance, yes, to poke the bears in our lives, to, to face up to the disease and pandemics and issues with our families and marriages and grades and social justice and pain and sexism and racism, the uncertain future, all kinds of internal turmoil, knowing that the kingdom is not in our hands. But that Jesus, the man after God's own heart, is our king. And with him, we need not fear obedience. We need not fear what is in or outside to no longer have to be our own prophet and priest and king to stop performing, to stop faking, to stop hiding, to stop making excuses, to stop running, to stop slaving and seek the man after God's own heart so that we can be the people, a person who lives after God's own heart. Lord, demote me. I don't want to be king over my life anymore. I failed, right? I disobeyed. I've jumped to conclusions. I made all kinds of excuses. I can't be the king. I do want to be a man after your own heart, but only, Lord, if I'm led by the king who suffered and died to be a person after God's own heart. So he could call you and me to be a God, to be people who are after God's heart. It's all a matter of the heart. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. We've been trying to run our lives, trying to do our own thing. And like Saul, we, we keep messing it up. Our worship, it ain't orthodox and pure as it should be. We hold things in. We try to say we okay. We, we, we leapfrog over the part of the gospel that says we're sinners. And we just want to be good. And then we try to be good. We ain't good enough. Lord, we face an impossible foe gathered on the boundary. Sin, Satan, and the world. And we are not enough. What we look to in idolatry to save us, like Israelites did King Saul in some way, is not enough. Lord, help us to turn to Jesus, a man after your own heart. Lord, we can't even break. <laughs> some of us can't even cry. We can't even trust you because we don't see anybody on the throne. Show us Jesus. Let us see him so that we can finally do what you long for, so that we can admit and confess we're children of God who can't do it, but our God loves us and will not leave us and has sent his son to be the prince of peace to redeem us. Lord, right now, there's a lot going on. We're getting weary. We're getting tired. Like, like Pastor Amari said, we don't want to stay in place any longer. Lord, I pray our lives would not be ones that can't stay in shelter and shelter under your care too long. We get antsy. We want to run. We want to hide. We want to pretend that sin ain't real. Just like some of us want to pretend there is not a virus out there anymore. We just, we just want to kind of act like it's not bad. Help us not to do that with our lives. Not only for our sake, but for people who we are in relationship with, who we're in community with, who you have called us to be servant leaders with. Help this church, help your people to not get weary and waiting for the Lord. Waiting out in obedience and falling in comfort upon Christ. Lord, please, I ask in Jesus' name, amen.